Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Today I'm your host, Connor Mueller, and I'm here with Bill Bones. Hey yo, happy to be here. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great today. It, it's been, so we're living out in California and this season has been insanely wet. So we've been here, this is our third summer here, or third winter. And uh, for everyone that I've talked to that has been here like for 40 years, like my patients and stuff, like this is the wettest it's ever been. So, so much rain. Mm. So it's raining again today. And uh, yeah, things are kind of wild. Like in Fresno, we're good because we have like a lot of, I don't know, the water has a place to go. It's a big city. Mm -hmm. But the surrounding areas, the surrounding cities are like flooded out and like farmlands are being destroyed and all these pretty rough things are happening. Because uh, there's just so much rain, and over in South Lake Tahoe, which is about I don't know, maybe four and a half, five hours north of us, not this weekend, but last weekend they got over a hundred inches of snow in just one weekend. Wow! And they've had over six hundred inches for the the whole winter, which is like only happened three other, two other times in the past how many decades. So there's like all this winter snowpack that's going to melt off and like fuck our dams up and our levees and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be kind of a wild spring and summer, I think. So yeah, anyways, that was wild, small talk. I'm doing good. Uh, (laughs) Climate uh, change, man. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, we're doing good. Jess is in Costa Rica. So I got, Mm -hmm. I'm holding the fort down and uh, Scout's learning new tricks. So yeah, we're, we're, we're doing good over here. Oh, yeah. What's one trick that Scout has learned recently? Uh, he's really like basic commands. So he he caught he knew uh, shake and high five right away. Mm-hmm. Like he came out, out of the package like that. And then he caught <laughs> on to sit really quick, like within like an hour, not even an hour. He got sit. He got down. He learned like get down on his belly pretty quick. Um, so recently we've been working on like basic obedience commands like stay and then, you know, the release command, like, is okay, so he's allowed to come and roam around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been working on getting him through. So if you ever watch, like, German Shepherds are big on this, or, you know, any dog can do it. But German Shepherds, I see a lot, where their owners or handlers will, um, you know, give a command, and the dog will come through their legs and sit right underneath, like, in between their legs. That's cool. Um, so I'm teaching him that right now. And he gets it with a treat. He's very food-motivated, like, uh, very, very food motiv- motivated. He'll do anything yeah. for food. So he's getting that. And then he's learning to jump on boxes and like um, get down off boxes, jump over objects. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. He's dangerously smart. What a smart boy. Yeah, he's, he's pretty dangerous. And he knows what he wants and what he doesn't want. Have you ever thought about signing him up for like an agility class? Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. So my ultimate goal I would really, really, really like to work towards doing like some sort of, there's got to be like local agility dog competition. You just sign up and you can go and run your dog. Yes. I would love to do that. So I have a friend, Amanda, at the gym who has like a champion uh, poodle for agility. His name is Jet. Uh, he's the coolest dog, but he's the most obedient dog. Like you can tell that she's got him like 
trained so well and he's wrapped up around her finger you know he's uh anyways he's got like all these medals and ribbons from like his agility mm-hmm. courses and 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 doing a lot of cool things and uh she's got this equipment she's like hey you can borrow it and like we can train i can show you like how to train scott a little bit I'm like that'd be awesome let's do that because the only other option would be i can buy it myself you can build a few little things which i've mm-hmm. done already like boxes mm-hmm. and stuff or you there's the, the the dog park which has you know the 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 steep little like incline and then decline yes. they have like a little loop that you can jump through but there's a little bunch of other dogs there um uh fuck dog parks in my opinion i, I hate dog parks i don't never put him in one mm-hmm. with other dogs in there because if you just go there and observe it's a shit show uh most of the time you know dogs are, yeah dogs are getting on each other humping each other you yeah. know they're upset someone's getting bullied the people don't have a handle on their dogs because they're not trained enough. Mm-hmm. And sometimes bad things happen. So, uh, yeah, I don't, based on my own, like, judgment and recommendation of other people as well, uh, yeah. I don't take them there unless there's no dogs inside of it. So, anyways, yeah. That would be really cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I took Annie to a dog park once in mm-hmm. Cadillac and never again for that, for all of those reasons that you mentioned. Yeah. Especially when they mix like the little dogs. There's one dog park like two minutes away from us that uh, I just we bike up there, but there's no separation for big dogs and little dogs. So that's mm. that's hard because mm-hmm. I, I go there. I see like these little dogs running around. I'm like, please, please just take your little dogs out of there with all the other big dogs. Like they don't. Mm-hmm. They, that's not how dogs from what I've learned about Scout, which I think we're going to do an episode about that. Um, what I've learned about him. Yeah. Big dogs and little dogs. And socialization, dogs aren't like humans where they need socialization with other dogs. Like they don't have that human trait where like, oh, this is socialization. This is fun, fun times for them. They don't Mm. need it, right? Most dogs want the relationship with you Mm -hmm. and to be told what to do and to have walks with you and just be with you. Or like the working breeds, like he's a a German shepherd or he is a Australian shepherd. They love to work. So he really should be like herding sheep. Um, mm, and he mm-hmm. would love to do that, but we got to find other things for him to do because he's our dog and we don't have sheep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the socialization of dogs is really interesting and dog parks like are, can be really dangerous. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. I'll be, I'll be excited when we do an episode Yeah, about dogs and scouts upbringing so far. Yeah. It's pretty, it's been pretty fun. There's a lot of little things that have happened that have been really cool. Yeah. Just as a side note, what a fitting name for an agility champion of Jet. Right? Dude, he is a badass dog. I'll wow. send you a picture of him. He's all black poodle. Ooh. And uh, he's like, uh, the, his ha- I don't know, he's a really cool looking dog. His like head is like an afro that, like, <laughs> and it comes over his eyes. So you never really see what he's looking at. And he's got black eyes anyway, so you can't really tell. Yeah. It's just funny to see him. He's he's brought to the gym like almost every day because he, he's such a good boy. He just sits there and without, you know, anything and just like watches Amanda like go everywhere. Oh, that's cool. doesn't bark or anything, but he's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And yeah, he's a really cool dog. I'll send a picture of him. Yeah, I want to see him. I think of poodles as being really like prissy dogs because mm-hmm. I have an image in my head of the poodles that are groomed a certain way mm-hmm. and have the little pom-pom on their tail yeah but every poodle i've ever met has been really cool 
Yeah. You know, that's the reaction I would get until you meet like uh, a dog like Jet, where mm-hmm. he's a really athletic and cool dog, just like any other, you know, Labrador, or whatever common dog you might see. Really yeah. athletic and obedient. But yeah, the show dog, right? The show line of poodles is what you tend to think of. But he's, yes. not, he's not that. He's like, he's the agility working dog. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, what you drinking? Got a Waterloo? I got a Waterloo. Yeah, it's a strawberry. Have you ever had Waterloo? I have. I haven't had strawberry, though. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like strawberries. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. I made myself uh, a hot a hot cocoa, a hot okay. chocolate with mm-hmm. cacao. Cacao. Cacao, yeah. You, you put whipped cream on it? No, I really wanted to. I wanted marshmallows or whipped cream, mm. but we didn't have anything like oh, that. Damn it, Corey. But... <laughs> <laughs> so but it was good it was i went for a walk outside and then during my walk i thought man hot chocolate just sounds real good right now Mm. it's still pretty cold there too yeah and we got a lot of snow well we didn't get a lot of snow we got about an inch of snow yesterday yeah you guys are still making chili and hot cocoa that's really nice it's winter forever here yeah yes so but we we still enjoy it and try to go outside as much as we can yeah but cool. You want to get into the episode? Yeah, I'd love to. Cool. Okay. So this episode, I wanted to talk about the hierarchy of making lifestyle changes. And I'll tell you where this idea came from. Um, some folks, I know I asked you if you remembered the RP diet from mm-hmm. a decade or more ago. Uh, what did RP stand for? Renaissance periodization. Periodization. Yes. Yep. yes, that's it. They had a pyramid of how you kind of prioritize different nutritional changes and what would give you the most gains. Mm-hmm. So you kind of focus on your foundation for first and then you move up the pyramid. Precision nutrition, which I love. I'm a precision nutrition certified coach. They also have a pyramid. And I started thinking, man, what would what would the warrior pyramid look like? And so I got out and I drew the warrior pyramid. And so that's what I wanted to share and get your thoughts about today. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm excited for this. Yeah. So I think, too, what we put as our foundation might surprise folks. And. Well, I'll just start. So the okay. first layer, the base of the pyramid, this is your foundation. This is what we're recommending you should focus on first whenever you're going about making a healthy lifestyle change. Um, Do you want to take a guess? Healthy lifestyle change, the foundation. I want to say I'll go to like a mentality, like some sort of mental thing, awareness. Boom. Yeah. I wrote as our foundation identity. Okay. And so it's exactly what you said. This, I think we need to get in the habit of creating and owning our identity. And this actually comes from James Clear. He was the author of Atomic Habits. He talks about in order to change, we need to start believing new things about ourselves. Mm. And I think it's really important to prioritize this. And I want to share some examples because I work with a lot of folks who put roadblocks in front of themselves based on the narrative that's running in their head. And it all has to do with how they're 
identifying. So this is things that I hear. This is things that I've heard within the last week from my clients. I'm a sugar addict. I'm a stress eater. I'm a binge eater. I used to be a dancer, but I'm not anymore. So these are the things that my clients are saying to themselves, which I can also relate to. I've probably said all of these things myself before. Um, This one woman who said, I used to be a professional dancer, but I don't I don't dance anymore. That's not her profession. And she has a lot of hang ups about movement and exercise because moving her body used to be her career. She got paid to do that. And so what we work on is kind of transferable elements of that identity. So when someone tells me, well, let me ask you this, Bones. When someone says, I was a professional dancer or I was a professional rugby player, what does that tell you about them? Well, they're identifying as that <clears throat> and mm. that they are, they're probably hmm, living their life in that. Sort of lifestyle, I guess. Does that yeah. Make, what do does you, that make sense? Like, yeah. What do you mean by if, that? If, okay. So, as a professional rugby player, I'm living lifestyle of rugby season. That's my focus. Mm. Um, managing injuries, things like that. Off season, now I'm training or recovering, and that's how my life is structured. And there's not a lot of like wiggle room for other things. Ooh, yes. Okay. So, what we know about these folks who say. I was a a college rugby athlete. I was a professional dancer. I was a competitive swimmer, whatever it might be. We know a few things about them. We know, wow, you really thrived on structure. You really, you had seasons for training. You, you are very driven and disciplined. You have a high level of a commitment. You are a high achiever. So we can pull on a lot of different threads from that identity that may not necessarily apply right now. Okay, so you're no longer a professional dancer. You're no longer a college athlete. You're no longer X, Y, or Z. But we do know that you're still all of these other things. And those are still key pieces of your identity that you can apply to your movement routine right now. So as a dancer, she discovered she really likes to move her body. She isn't really interested in dancing anymore. However, she's starting to get into yoga and swimming. And she's adopting those pieces as her identity. So now instead of saying, I'm not a professional dancer anymore. In fact, I don't do anything anymore. She's able to say, um, yeah, I do yoga. I'm a yogi. I'm a swimmer. And it's been, it's been really cool to watch that identity piece change. Yeah. Well, it's just like you're talking about taking those key pieces of their identity 
the commitment to something mm. or the the discipline to something. And instead of putting it to the thing that they've always done since childhood or whatever, now as an adult, maybe is not interesting to them. They're taking those attributes and applying them to something else. Yes. Because ultimately the foundation is those attributes of, you know, I'm disciplined. I can do this. I like to move my body. It's enjoying. It's, I enjoy it. Blah, 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 blah. You're applying it to something new. Yeah. And which, I think, yeah, go ahead. Which, which often I think maybe it's the reverse for the person in the shoes where, oh, I'm a rugby player, but that doesn't mean I'm disciplined or like structure or even enjoy it that much. Any like, cause it's hard sometimes or whatever mm-hmm. it's flipped for them. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't see that. Oh, I, the key foundations is the discipline, the enjoyment, the whatever mm-hmm. that you can extract and apply to something else. Yeah. Yes. I think. I think we all get kind of hung up on the identity piece or we can. I know I, I was a competitive swimmer for 16 years and I adopted that as part of my identity. I still introduce myself that way. Sometimes, you know, I was, I was a high level college athlete, which is interesting because when college was over, I really lost my way with fitness. And I think that's where CrossFit came in because it provided structure, routine, discipline, skill development, all of those elements that I was seeking that kind of paired or translated really well from being a competitive swimmer. Yeah, this is a great, great point and a really good, we can like probably talk about this the whole Mm. time, the foundation. Mm -hmm. I think I'm struggling with it right now or I did for the past two weeks because Mm. while I played rugby for college and i played a little bit after but i coached um like men's league and then this past year i obviously went out and i played again and then things happened and um injuries and other things happened where i stopped playing and we have a couple games left but i had to stop my season and for about two weeks about the first week i was like man i have so much free time and i'm happy i get to relax and then the next week i was like i'm pretty kind of sad i feel a little bit down and depressed Mm where I went through this before of like my identity, I identified so hard as a rugby player. I think because that was the first uh, sport or place where I felt like I belonged and Mm -hmm. I really connected with and thrived in. So even for me, we are not exempt from this where it's tough to extract the, the key pieces of why I even like that to begin with and apply them to something else. Mm-hmm. Cause it worked for CrossFit for a while and then like that got whatever it changed a little bit but you know yeah. this is such a like even though we're talking about it we're not immune to this you know so mm. it's just a, it's such a great point totally yeah and I think that's something important what you just mentioned is revisit this this is your foundation we don't want cracks in your foundation mm-hmm. because every other level is going to build upon your foundation so making sure your identity and really just paying close attention to how you talk to yourself. What narrative is playing in your head? What are your I am statements to yourself? Mm. Pay attention to that ticker tape that's playing because if that's not solid, we can't build on this pyramid, right? Your pyramid's just going to crumble if that's not set in stone. Totally. I, I, what I really want is to try to empower people to Play an active role in creating your identity. 
you can become whoever you want to be. If you want to be a badass crossfitter, do that. And then just start talking to yourself as, yeah, I'm a fucking badass crossfitter, whatever it might be, but just believe in it and just live into it. Yeah. Piece by piece, man. Oh, man. I want to share one more thing. It just happened yesterday. I I signed up for a CrossFit competition with a, a guy at the gym here. And we're going over the workouts and there's a workout with a rec bag run and a row and then a max effort, uh, like Mac, like clean, you know, for heavyweight, um, complex. So I'm with the run. I'm like, man, I'm not a good runner. I've never been a good runner. I said this, so I'm really going to struggle on the run. I'd rather do that first while I'm fresh. And then I'll, we'll, I'll go into the row. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Cause then the other, the flip of that was. I feel really confident with the 150 pound thrusters. I think I can do that. I think we can carry the sandbag like fast and far because we're good at that. And you, I think that just by saying one or the other, you're going to live into that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the point of this is that you're going to live into it. I'm going to, because I said that and I believed it in the moment, I'm going to struggle on the run versus me saying I'm, I feel confident with thrusters. I feel confident with the sandbag carries. I'm going to do well on those. Mm-hmm. I think that is part of large part, the point, right? Yeah. Of identifying, you know, it goes back to what we've said before. I, I, I'm the type of person dot, dot, dot. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. You totally nailed it. So no one's expecting you to be an all-star in all of those things, especially when it comes to CrossFit, because you can't, you can't master every single thing with CrossFit. That's not really the point. But like you said, you can play into where you're strong. You can really lean into the sandbag, the row. You don't have to highlight, especially to yourself, ooh, I'm not a runner. Because you just identified as not being a runner. You can do the run. You are capable of the run. You have proven to yourself in the past that you can do runs and you've ran longer than this in the past. So, yeah, I'm going to hold my own on the run and then I'm going to excel here. Yeah, good mental reframes. Okay, so that's that's the foundation identity. You ready for the next level? So the next level, I kind of bundled a lot of things together in this next piece, but I wrote the next level of our pyramid as lifestyle factors. And so what falls under this umbrella is sleep, stress, social environment, and movement. So this is a big section of the pyramid. It's towards the base. It's above the identity piece. And there's a lot of things that I lumped in here. Starting with sleep. If the aura ring has taught us anything, (laughs) it's sleep is essential. Sleep is foundational. Most adults need seven to nine hours of sleep. Just because you are in bed seven hours does not mean you're sleeping seven hours. Mm -hmm. I had a guy last week. He he came into our, our coaching call. And he said, man, since we last talked, I've done absolutely nothing. He was really down on himself. I said I was going to go to the gym, but I haven't. He was really defeated. And I said, well, what has gone well since the last time we've spoke? 
I usually force my clients to pick something that's gone well. You can't tell me that everything is going bad. And he's like, you know what? I focused on my sleep a lot the last week. And I said, man, that's huge. Sleep is foundational. Sleep, like so many positive ripples come from sleep. But he didn't, he kind of disregarded that as a win. He was like, yeah, but I wanted to go to the gym and I didn't do that. I said, yeah, but you met your unmet need for rest. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to convince people that sleep is something they should be focusing on. Um, I also, I talked to two clients this past week. They both came to our coaching call and said, man, I just have no motivation. My motivation is tanked. I don't know what to do. And I said, what do you think is going on? Why do you think your motivation is so low? And they both said, so these are two separate occasions. They both said, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm working, you know, 60 hours a week. And then I go home. I have to take care of my kids. And it just goes to show you, yeah, when we're underslept, of course your motivation is going to be in the shitter. (laughs) Of course you're going to have a hard time focusing on your goals of nutrition and movement and whatever else might be. Mm -hmm. That's why I'll recommend, well, what do you think about focusing on rest? How can you do that this week? And one, one mom, she said, you know what? Twice a week, I wake up and go to the gym early. I think the other days, I just need to let myself sleep in. I was like, yeah, do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Allow yourself to sleep in. And I bet as you focus on sleep, you'll also notice that motivation increases. Totally. Man, I have like three things. Okay, I'm going to try to remember them. So motivation with sleep, increased sleep. Um, there was a day right after I stopped playing rugby about two weeks ago where I got about nine and a half hours of sleep right before a long day of work. And I never get nine and a half. I get like seven, seven and a half, sometimes eight. And those days I get lower sleep. Mm-hmm. Seeing like eight patients is like ugh, a drag. And I wake up and it's like, mm-hmm. ugh. I'm going through it. I'm just like, can this day just like hurry up? Mm-hmm. I saw like 10 patients and it was just like I was in such a flow state throughout the day of just I felt so good and like energetic and I went to the gym afterwards and it, yeah. nothing there was never a thought of I feel a little bit dragging today. Um, so that's my first thought about sleep how the importance of sleep I think we can't underestimate that and we have to remember like you said this is a good thing to focus on if you mm-hmm. only focus on sleep you're still going to improve your health quite a bit mm-hmm. um, more so than probably if you're just trying to get a bunch of exercise in. Um, the second thing, the four factors of this, the stress, sleep, uh, um, uh, movement, movement and And social, social, social. Mm -hmm. okay. Movement and social. Wow. Like the four biggest factors that contribute to our health, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why there's lower on the pyramid. Um, so I, I work with a lot of patients that are older. I keep going back to my patients. Um, some in their 80s, some in their 90s, and then a lot of people in their 50s and 60s who are way sicker than people in their 90s. So I often think of like, man, how do some people just like soar into their 90s or their late 80s? And the one thing that is common among those people is their stress level. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't have stress or they've had such a good life where they haven't had to deal with shit, but their reaction to their stress. 
yeah. right? So yes. I have this lady who's in the late 90s, pushing 100 almost, totally mobile, totally with it mentally, like remembers me every time, um, just remembers the exercises. You know, these are little things, but this is a big deal. Like um, she's in assisted living. She doesn't cook for herself and stuff, but she's like getting up, walking around, exercising, eating, doing all these things, getting out of bed. And um, just her attitude towards life is is so I don't want to say positive but like adaptive and very like welcoming to no matter what happens um and she hasn't had like an easy life either based on her story she's lost two husbands and to very like you know sad wow. things sad ways and just her reaction to those things though is what I'm getting at um she has a very supportive um family and that helps but the stress thing I think is the most common uh, if you're able to manage your stress, that is going to help you so much later in your life mm-hmm. in our life, our life too, not your life, our life, my life too. Um, so that is what I want to touch on with the four lifestyle factors is the stress. Um, the last thing that I, I was thinking when you were talking was when you were talking about like low motivation, mm-hmm. um, you have some clients that have low motivation. Um, our brains just want to solve problems, right? If we're constantly looking to solve a problem, that's what we're thinking about and that's what we're focusing on. So when that guy you were talking about said, I didn't even go to the gym, he's focusing on solving the problem of going to the gym, but he didn't even realize that he was doing really well at sleep, Mm -hmm. right? Because that wasn't a problem. He wasn't focused on it. So trying to solve the problem of trying to get more exercise. Okay, now the two other clients that had no motivation Maybe they have other problems in their life that they're trying to solve and they don't just don't have that bandwidth or that energy to revert to the problem of movement or exercise or health mm. for themselves. Right. So in that instance, I would almost um, try to look at other problems in your life. What can you solve? And then that will hopefully open up some bandwidth for you to go into your personal health a little more. Right. Whether mm-hmm. it's your relationship or some sort of work issue right? Mm-hmm. Solve a different problem so that you're able to open up your headspace a little bit. Um, or conversely, maybe you can't. Maybe you have kids and you just can't solve that problem. Kids are always going to be there. They're always going to be a problem. You're always going to have to put them to bed and make them mac and cheese and shit and whatever you need to do with your kid. <laughs> They're dependent on you. Well, then you go back to your identity, right? This is based on what we're talking about and what you mm-hmm. put at the bottom. I'm the type of person that even though my kid is dependent on me, I'm mm. going to get 30 minutes of movement in the morning. I'm the type of person that's yeah. going to focus on my sleep, right? So you just resort back to your foundation one step lower, and that will carry you up to the next level again. Yes. Oh, my God. You said so many great things. Um, what you just said I want to touch on is a lot of folks look at things as being either or. I can either be a mom that puts her kids to bed and cooks dinner at night, or I can be the mom that wakes up early to work out. I always like to ask, what if it was both and? What if you were a working mom of two kids that need you, and you are also a person that prioritizes their movement? What does that look like? Mm. And they can usually solve that problem of, 
okay, well, that looks like I get home from work, spend quality time with my kids, put them to bed, make them dinner, whatever it is. And then I have an opportunity in the morning to knock out my movement. Mm-hmm. But most folks say, like, I can't do both. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you have to give and take and compromise a little bit. So maybe you're not working out an hour in the morning. Maybe you're working out for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But the goal is movement, and you're still prioritizing movement. And then what you said about stress, man, chronic stress just wreaks havoc, especially over the long term. And because you work with an older population, you see it firsthand. And you highlighted something really important, which is it's not really about the stress. Stress exists everywhere for everyone. It's about how we respond to the stress. And so you had that one woman where you said she's just really adaptable. You know, she just takes, she takes what life throws at her and she adapts to it. And I have two clients. I kind of like that we're talking about clients because I think we can relate to these different archetypes of people. I have two clients, both, both struggle with stress, but both have chosen two different ways to cope with the stress or manage their stress. One client goes home after work and drinks a glass or two, sometimes three glasses of wine to de-stress and unwind. That's her routine. Another client leaves work and she reserves a lane at her local swimming pool every day for lap swimming. She heads to the pool and that's her stress release valve. When she leaves work, she tells folks, all right, I got to go. I got to go my my lane. I reserved my lane. I got to go. And she prioritizes that. So it's two very different people. They actually both work at the same place. (laughs) And they respond to that stress differently. And they've developed different stress release valves. One is serving them. One is not. So it's very interesting because... They're feeling, they're dealing with the same thing, but their response is so different. Man, what a great, great example. That's perfect. But I'll, I'll phrase it that way and I'll ask folks, like, what could your stress release valve look like? We all have stress in our lives. We all feel this stress. It's how we respond to the stress that matters. Um, okay, I want to touch on social environment and movement really quick. Social environment, we've talked in previous episodes about the importance of the people that we surround ourselves with. So this is friends, family, partners, coworkers. Um, Bones, have you heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yes, yeah. So that outlines the five universal human needs. One of them is love and belonging. And I think what I've observed with working with folks is people crave connection and belonging, especially more recently with the pandemic. I've noticed that people can feel trapped by their circumstances and they've almost gotten into a routine of not, how do I say this, of not participating in their lives 
they stay shut in, they don't go to church, they don't have their third place. So I've mentioned this before, but most people have three places. They have home, work, and a third place. The third place is typically the CrossFit gym, going to church, going to their quilting guild meeting, whatever it might be, but they've lost their third place since the pandemic. And a lot of folks struggle to reclaim that. And so I think social environment is really important. And that's why it's kind of at the base of our pyramid. And then movement. Um, Here at the Weekly Warrior, I think we talk a lot about prioritizing movement. We're all more geared towards CrossFit, rucking, wild fit. But ultimately, I want to encourage people to not put themselves in a box. If you don't enjoy weightlifting, don't force yourself to lift weights. If you don't enjoy swimming, I have one woman, she says, I hate to sweat. I hate sweating. I don't like it. When I sweat, then I have to change my clothes. I have to take a shower and then I have to go back to work. It's a huge, there's huge opportunity cost there for her. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's not do that then. What do you enjoy? You're going to sustain the movement routine that you like and look forward to. So stop trying to do stuff you dread and feels like a chore. (laughs) Exactly, right? So obvious. (laughs) I think it is obvious, but a lot of people have this idea in their head that, oh, in order for exercise to count, I have to go to the gym and sit on a boring ass treadmill for an hour. Yeah, it's our programming. It's what we're told to do. It's part of the social influence. Yes. And then you know how long they do that for? A week, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then they fall off and they said, oh, and then they feel like a failure. Oh, I can't. I suck. I failed. Yeah, or like all exercise is bad. Like they get a generalization going. It's like, I just hate exercise. Well, No, you hate sitting on a treadmill. Yes. Or whatever, or a bike for 30 minutes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You wouldn't, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, with movement... Do something you enjoy. Be open to exploring new things. Um, we would probably recommend get outside. Go for a hike. Go for dog walks. Get out in nature. Um, but yeah, stretch yourself a little bit. Don't be afraid to try new things because you, you never know. You might really love the thing that you haven't tried yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Any other thoughts on social environment or movement? No, I think. That was awesome. I think that's great. So these these top tiers, as we get up into these top tiers, um, well, let me hit on the next one really quick. Um, I think it's important that we talk about food quality, and I kind of lumped food and water quality in mm-hmm. here together. Um, I think a lot of health issues can be solved with whole foods. So these are foods that aren't in a package. They're nutrient dense, they're unprocessed. Mm-hmm. Um man, I forget who said it. Um I'm remembering this from the book called In Defense of Food by Michael Pollan. 
which is an which is an older book now, but um, he referenced somebody who said, "Let food be thy medicine." Socrates. Socrates. Yeah, I, think, I was like, it was. I think, it's a. I think it was Socrates. Yeah. It's someone ancient, ancient, ancient and scholarly. And, yeah. Yeah. It was Socrates. Yeah. He was a philosopher, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We'll go with Socrates. Okay, I like that. <laughs> but I think that's so true. I think people complicate food and what their diet should look like. But I think just focusing on food quality is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why we really like places like Apsi Farms, the local pasture-raised regenerative farms, we like farmers markets. We like CSAs. Um, it's a CSA. Uh, a CSA. It's community supported agriculture. It's very similar to a farmers market. It's local, and you basically can become a member of a CSA, and you get a box every week okay. yeah. of of food that's in season in your mm. local area. It costs like it's a, a deposit up front or something for the season or something like that. And then, yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I've never done one. I'd really love to do one. Hmm. But, um, and actually, I've been thinking about it more and more recently because I won't say the name of the subscription service, but we were using a subscription service to get organic produce. And I started noticing that the address that it was getting sent from was New Jersey. And I thought, man, my produce is being shipped from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I, I, weird, huh? yeah, I thought, man, I just, my carbon footprint is not that great. If I'm getting shipments of organic produce from New Jersey, when there's probably organic produce closer. Yeah. At a farmer's market. That I sh- that I could be taking advantage of. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I was thinking more about the CSA idea. Hmm. Um, I always tell folks buy the highest quality you can personally afford when it comes to things like meat, eggs, seafood, produce. Um, you don't have to buy organic everything. We did a great episode that talked about the environmental working group and they have a list that they put out, which is called the dirty dozen. The dirty dozen is the top 12 foods that contain the highest amount of pesticides. Hmm. So if you just Google the dirty dozen, you'll see which foods that you might want to consider buying organic. And then the rest of them just buy what you can afford. Do you remember the top couple? Any like notable ones? Um, going from memory, I know potatoes are on there. I know berries are on there. Oh, um, yeah, makes sense. Berries. I want to say apples are on there, but then there's other fruits like bananas. There's vegetables like S- avocados that you don't necessarily need to buy right. organic. Right. That part of that has to do with that. Those are. are wrapped in a skin yes like banana peel avocado has a layer that blocks pesticides coming berries like absorb everything yes there's not a thick skin or layer of protection they're more uh, permeable yeah yeah all right same yes. with potatoes oh that makes sense okay yeah but yeah i don't know the list by heart i always have to pull yeah. it up and look yeah. at it um but that's I an think, easy way to do it like a safe thing maybe if yeah we gotta look at the list but if it comes wrapped by nature 
<laughs> it's probably usually, fine. Usually it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. I'll have to double check that. I'll have to look yeah. at the list. Yeah. Because I feel like nectarines are on the list, which surprised me. Hmm. Because I'm like, those are wrapped. Hmm. But I'd have okay. to double check. So maybe yeah. it's not a foolproof. Okay. A foolproof method. Um. And then I put high quality water on here. We've talked about, you know, reverse osmosis water with the minerals added back. That's the highest standard of water that you can have. But drink water. Yeah. Drink water. And really, this is about reducing other drinks. You know, the alcohol, the soda, the fancy coffee drinks, the energy drinks. Prioritize water above everything else. Yeah. And then just as a side note, the easiest way to improve your food quality is to focus on your environment. Focus on the food that you're bringing into your environment. Whatever comes into your house, you will eat. And you can make that work for you or you can make that work against you. Mm-hmm. So when folks say, oh, man, I just have no willpower. You know, I come home and I just eat a pint of ice cream. Why are there pints of ice cream in your freezer? You know, those foods are designed and engineered to be addictive. And so it's not really your fault that you're eating an entire pint of ice cream, but it is your fault that you're buying it and stockpiling it in your freezer. Yeah. You're responsible ultimately. Yes. Um, cool. Ready for the next tier? To me, that one sound like the word that came to mind was consumption quality. Mm. Consumption mm-hmm. across the board. Right. I think, I mean, we love Apsy Farms and the food, the food we've talked about so much on this podcast. Water, we have talked about a couple of times. I will say, I, it becomes like, okay, how detailed do you want to get? If you're not drinking enough water, right? Just start drinking water. It doesn't matter. Mm. Once you get into the habit, right? We're talking about habits, building a life, uh, lifestyle that is better for us. Then we can start looking at better quality water, which we have an episode earlier on. You can it's labeled, you know, water quality something mm-hmm. maybe last year. But the the Primo water stations, it's it's so much it's cheap and it's so much better for you. Um and the tap water, God, I just can't trust tap water anymore. Um I mean, we talk about Flint, Michigan was a horrible, horrible thing. It's the governments, the big corporations that are after profits. You don't know what's being spilled and not filtered out into our water systems. I can go on and on about that. There's some companies out here that I just listened to a podcast about again, uh, PG&E, that like dumped chromium-6 into the waterways. So in the like 1950s, people ingested chromium-6, and then for decades later, this one town, specifically, the cancer rate was like through the roof because of chromium-6 consumption. And that's a very specific Shit. example. There was there was instances across the whole entire state from PG&E fucking up like that. Is that what the movie Aaron Brockovich is based on? The movie's called Aaron Brockovich? Well, I mean, she was the lawyer that t- I think took that water company on. Oh. Uh, I, don't quote me on this. It just sounds like the theme of I this mean, movie. It might be based off of it. Yeah, this was a fairly big deal. Hmm. Okay, keep going. PG&E's Pacific Gas and Electric, too, but um, they were a gas company. The gas... Okay, I'm not going to get into it. (sighs) Because, anyway, the point is, you have knowledge to make better choices, hopefully. If you're listening to this, then you have the knowledge. Buy the better quality water. 
and just do it because we cannot trust <laughs> larger corporations and in, in our waterways. We just can't. It's very easy switch. Yeah, I okay. I agree. I'm off my soap. I'm off my soap. I've become such a water <laughs> snob. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, right. It sounds snobby. It's like, <laughs> it ugh, what do you think you're better than everybody? I'm like, well, <laughs> why? Are you, I, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. We don't. Yeah. We don't. There is just better options out there, and we're after them. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're packing our our hospital bag. Um, oh yeah. Right now, because I'm in week 38, uh, so my due day is two weeks away. But I was thinking about water. I was like, we should bring our own water because I literally don't trust the water at the hospital. I don't know what kind of water it is. Yeah, is it tap water? I don't know what's coming out of their yeah their water faucets. God, their food too. Are you gonna pack all your own food? We're gonna bring snacks. Um, I've actually looked at their cafeteria menu. It's hmm. not that bad. Oh, good. Yes, and my insurance covers me to eat. While Sweet. I'm there. Cool. So I'm like, eh, okay. And Corey's parents will be there so they can also bring us food. Wow. Yeah. I haven't thought about the fact that insurance, like that's an added on like a la carte hospital stay, right? You want food? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, I get, I get free bandages, room service. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Free room service. <laughs> yeah. Free room uh, service. Okay. Let's move on. Um, okay. So just looking at these bottom three tiers, we have identity those lifestyle factors that we bundled together and we had food quality. Honestly, just focusing on those three things and mastering those three things, you'll get, those are your big rocks. You'll get a ton of bang for your buck. These last three layers, we're going to spend a little less time on. These are probably what I would consider the more advanced nutrition strategies that it's the expert stuff but these are the pieces of sand that kind of fill in between those big rocks and they're still important especially if you want to make changes to your body composition Mm -hmm. but as far as like healthy lifestyle goes i don't think they're as important as folks think they are and i think people usually start with these things that fall at the top tier of the pyramid versus the things that are at the bottom of our pyramid. So the next level I put in consistent calorie intake. Mm. And I don't think most folks need to hit an exact number of calories. I think People need to find consistency with a range of calories that works well for their body. And it's completely normal for, you know, appetite, food preferences, and calorie needs to change day to day. Um, And they change for lots of different reasons. I think when we get hung up on a specific calorie recommendation, we start to disregard what our body is intuitively telling us. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I really like giving folks a recommended daily calorie range that they can play with. And they can go above or below that range within about even two to 300 calories. So it gives you a lot of wiggle room. It gives you flexibility and it gives you the opportunity 
to eat more intuitively and listen to your body's natural hunger and fullness cues. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I put in that calorie intake because consistent calorie intake and getting a sense of what your body needs day to day is important when it comes to body composition changes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, ready for the next layer? Yeah. So after that, I put macronutrients. So most folks know that macronutrients are your protein, carbs, and fat. Really, I think macros are important just because it emphasizes that we're eating a variety. We're getting in all those three different nutrients, and all of them play an important role. What are they? The protein, carbs, and fat. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I think... People can count their macros if they want to. There's lots of macro calculators on the internet that you can look at. There's kind of general recommendations that you can use to help you get started. I actually don't think general population needs to count their macronutrients. I don't think average Joe or Jane needs to know that they're consuming X number grams of protein every day. I think what's more, what's easy, easier to obtain and sustain for most people with your lifestyle is to use what's called the plate method. Are you familiar with the plate method? Yeah. It's, um, it's basically dividing your plate into three sections. Half of your plate is going to be vegetables, Mm plant-based. A third is going to be protein, and the other third is going to be your carbohydrate. So it's basically shifting your carbs, looking at starchy carbs as a side dish versus the main course, Mm -hmm. making sure you're getting one to two palms of protein in each meal, and then really prioritizing lots of nutrient-dense vegetables. Mm -hmm. I think it sounds too simple to people. But I think it's probably the easiest method to get tons of nutrients and to balance your macronutrients without counting, weighing, and measuring every morsel that goes into your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of new for, from you. Maybe you've been kicking around for a while, but the first time I've heard it is that mm. uh, macronutrients for the general population probably don't matter as much. I think that's great. I think it's much more, much more approachable. And I also want to point out the two different layers you just did. So you did calorie consumption was mm-hmm. first. So just getting the food in. And then after that, looking at, you know, the breakdown of your macronutrients or the plate method. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's important just to get the food in first or take the food out. Right. And then what types of food? Yes. Yeah. Because we already highlighted food quality as being more important than calorie intake. Okay. Yeah. Generally, improving your food quality will naturally kind of start to balance out your calorie intake. Mm -hmm. Because if you're eating less processed food, you're probably going to start shifting your calorie intake lower anyway, I would guess, for most people. But I think of macronutrients as, okay, so we're starting to get a little bit more dialed in, a little bit more precise. And you can do that with counting grams of everything and keeping a food log, if that works well for you. And some people like to do that. Some people like that data. 
but you can also use the plate method or even I kind of made mention to the palm method of saying, you know, have a fist of starchy carbohydrates, you know, complex carbohydrates, have a palm or two of protein, and then just fill, fill in with lots of vegetables. Yeah. And it's a neat, it's a nice visual to use at mealtimes. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Very simple. Yes. Um, I was listening to a podcast. It was about gut microbiome and I forget the expert that was being interviewed. It was Hubie's Huberman's. Oh, uh, Hubie. Hubie. Yeah. Hubie. It was his <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But he was talking about, I think it was hormone health for women and they were talking about gut microbiome and the expert that he was talking to basically recommended eat the rainbow, eat five different colors of fruits and vegetables every day because each color gives you different benefits and nutrients. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are super important when it comes to balancing hormones and your gut health. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was sitting there thinking, man, how many different colors do I eat every day? It's probably one because we have a vegetable at dinner every night. Yeah. But getting in five different colors every day, that would be a challenge. That's tough. It's okay. So it's tough because we're have our own programming already. And we're, Mm -hmm. we are, like I said, we're not immune to this and we're social influence of different foods that we're used to eating that aren't vegetables. I think I would be the same. Me and I, Jess eats. Jess probably gets five. Mm-hmm. She's got she, her super smoothie. Uh, she, okay, she does a super smoothie in the morning. I'm gonna make her sound kind of um, impressive here. She's yeah, she's my idol. She's her smoothie in the morning, which I'm not really up at that time. She does it at like six six thirty. Some so I'm just not up to see exactly what it is. But there's like pumpkin in it. There's berries. There's bananas. And the list goes on. At lunch, she comes home. She has like a turkey sandwich with tomatoes and lettuce on it. And then on the side, she has yellow peppers, orange peppers, red peppers, hummus, and cucumber, maybe. So right there, she gets it. And yeah. then the rest of the day, she could do whatever the fuck she wants if she yeah. wanted. But she still has another serving of vegetables at night. Uh, three servings, actually, usually, for dinner. Uh, yeah, she's really fucking... She's got it down. So that is what it would look like. Like, you have to, like... Uh, you'd have to get it at lunch, get it earlier, right? Yes. The three different bell peppers are like probably the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You just reminded me talking about her smoothie and her approach on the podcast that I listened to. They talked about this guy where he he introduced the only thing he changed is he introduced this massive nutrient dense smoothie in the morning Hmm. and he was packing this smoothie with 12 different things. I don't remember what they all were, but there was fruits, vegetables, you name it in there. He did. I forget the time period that he did this, but I think it was like after a year, he completely reversed his autoimmune disease. He completely altered his gut microbiome and he corrected his glucose and insulin resistance. Isn't that crazy? I was like, damn. So so fucking simple. Like we're like, it's so impressive to us because the world is. Oh. I'm going to get sad. The world is so fucked with like our <laughs> eating, our country at least. I don't know what the rest of the world is doing. We live here. 
It's so fucked that we think it's so cool that just fruits and vegetables every day, you know, is <laughs> is an amazing answer. Mm-hmm. Let food be thy medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to that podcast and made a smoothie right away. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So we've actually been doing since January. Just bought a habit tracker book. Mm. So we've had six habit. It has six habits, like a little like a little wheel. That, like you build the chain. You know, you color it in when you do your habit every day. So different habits every month. For the past two months, it's been um, a smoothie for health, you know, five days a week or four days a week. Mm. I was doing really good for a while. And then what the, f- I don't know what it is because I'm not immune to it either. It's just like the programming is not there for me yet all the time. I'm going to go make one today, though. It's because you like your chicken sausage in the morning. Yes. I'm open to having the smoothie any time of day, though. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so now it's like, okay, Jared, what are you doing? Like. Put the ingredients in and press the button and drink it. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna make it today. Send me, send me the smoothie recipe or recipes that you all use. Okay, I'll have Jess write down hers. I'll send you mine. Mine's not special, but I like it. Yeah, I need. I just need a different idea. I want to do smoothies. Every time I make a smoothie, it's really unsatisfying, and I think mm. I'm just not combining the right amount of ingredients together. Yeah. Um, I don't measure anything. Sometimes I fuck up and it doesn't taste great. Yeah. So I just add like um stevia packet or two just to sweeten it mm-hmm. and then it's better. Sometimes I add too much kale or too much whatever. Blah, That's blah, blah. my problem. You know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, this sucks. So I just add some stevia and sweeten it up. Yeah. I put too many greens in there and then it's really bitter and gross. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or honey, right? Just throw like honey in it, <laughs> yeah you know and just give it some sugar sweetness yes yeah anyways um okay so after macronutrients i put micronutrients as the uh-huh. next level okay so again as we work our way up the pyramid we're kind of solving some of these issues and filling in the gaps anyway yeah so when i talk about micronutrients i'm talking about um those vitamins and minerals one way you can focus on micronutrients is with supplements. And so this is where supplements are going to come in. Mm. And we really like high quality supplements. You know, companies like Earthfed Muscle are really great. Um, most people can benefit from supplementing with some sort of protein powder because most of us under eat protein. Um, most people do really well with a good multivitamin, again, to help you fill in those gaps that you might be missing. And most people are deficient in vitamin D and magnesium. Mm. So this is kind of across the board what research tells us. However, when you go down the rabbit hole of supplements, and I've done this before, if you go shopping for supplements, they all sound great. You go into the store and you start reading labels and you think, I need that. I need that too. Oh, and that sounds good. And so then all of a sudden you've got a huge basket full of pills, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're not testing, you're guessing. So what I mean by that is you should find out what you're deficient in and what your body needs and then supplement accordingly. So you can you can get a blood test and you can find out these are the vitamins and minerals my body is deficient in 
and these are the supplement recommendations I need. That's one thing that Wild Health will do for you. Um, and we've done, um, we've talked about Wild Health before. Corey just got his Wild Health report. We're going to release an episode. And then your, did you do your Wild Health report yet? It's coming up this week. So I, I've like held on to the membership waiting for the doctor visit because it's taken about two months. Mm. Only because it's a doctor that's a little popular. Yeah. Busy. Yeah. Uh, Julie Fouché. She's worth the wait. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be interested to follow up with you too. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah. Corey, in his wild health report and after meeting with his doctor, got really specific supplement recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's really wise. You know, it's really based on your genetic markers, your body, what your blood test is are telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a great way to go about supplements. A lot of people jump in at the top of the pyramid where the supplement train starts. Mm-hmm. Um, don't start there. <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Um, and then at the tip of the pyramid, I put meal timing. And I think this can very person to person. Some folks need to focus on eating frequency. Some folks might need to focus on, you know, fasting protocols. Um, Talking about wild health, Corey's wild health report recommended some sort of fasting. And again, this is the very tip of the pyramid. This is the tippy top. I think a lot of people jump into fasting because they think it's trendy and it's a quick fix and it's going to magically fix all of their health issues. Mm-hmm. That's not really the case. You know, I, I've read a lot about fasting. Um, there's a great book called The Blue Zones where they studied the centennial cultures, mm-hmm. those pockets around the world where folks are living be- like well into their 100s. And a lot of those cultures have fasting practices. And really what they found is fasting 12 to six hours a day improves metabolic flexibility. It allows for cellular regeneration. And then also doing longer quarterly fasts that are one to three days help mitigate risk of certain cancers and inflammatory responses. Mm. So there's lots of observational data with fasting. There's lots of research when it comes to fasting that's coming out. And I think having some sort of fasting regimen, if it's seasonal, if it's the intermittent fasting, I think that can benefit a lot of people I don't think it's a quick fix. I don't think it's a one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. I have clients where if I suggested fasting, they, it would produce a lot of anxiety. It would produce a lot of fears around hunger and eating and things like that. Um, so I don't think it's for everyone. Yeah. The top two sound sexy supplements and meal timing. Yeah, they people like sexy, to hop so in up like, there. Yeah, Let's hop in there. I just think in general, looking at our pyramid, what I notice is people think they need complicated. 
I need a meal plan. I need someone to tell me exactly what to eat. I need someone to dial in my macronutrients. I don't think a lot of people need to live there. If you're a professional athlete, yeah, you should be dialing it in and mm-hmm. you should be complicated. I think most folks don't need that. And I think if you focus on especially the base of this pyramid, the identity, the lifestyle, you know, monitor your calorie intake, pay close attention to food quality, making sure you're getting a variety with those macronutrients, you're going to be in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you go back down to the bottom and the average person, general population, stress management yeah, is where we need to live. The bottom two, probably maybe the food quality as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The food quality. That's probably where most of us need to live because we live in some crazy stressful times mm-hmm. in, in our modern world that we've never, ever had this humanity. I don't, we've never had this type of stress with technology and our social environment and all these other aspects of our country and the world and the problems that we need to solve. Well, you know, on a macro scale, the single person needs to focus on uh, approachable, easy steps, the base of this pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know plenty of folks that focus on the top of the pyramid when the bottom of their pyramid is crumbling underneath their feet. Yeah. And it's just, it's not going to produce the results that you want. And they're just out there floating because they have no, they're not rooted to anything. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's the warrior pyramid. It's warrior pyramid. That was excellent. I loved it. Yeah. I'm excited to get this out to everybody. Yeah, sweet. Anything else to add before we know. log off? Anything, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think we call it a wrap. Yeah, I think so too. We'll put a bow on it. Yeah. All right, this has been another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Please take a moment and head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Um, when you're typing in a comment, just let us know what one takeaway was that you got from this episode. And we'd love to hear from you anytime. We like meat.